And we're back, and we have time for just a few more. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, for no apparent reason whatsoever, we talk about our favorite cover songs from the 80s. For Christ's sakes, will you cover yourself? With me, as always, on this weekly time machine back to Regretville, it's Brad in LA and special guest this week, Just Drew. Hey, guys. Steve, what's going on? Regretville, really? No, no. I'm in a dark place, my friends. Let's let us pull you from that horribly dark yeah. place. <laughs> I don't know. With cover songs? Can you do that with cover songs? That's what I'm thinking. I, I think it's the cover songs that had me down. After we record the podcast, we'll go do something fun. <laughs> yeah, All right. You guys will. <laughs> Frisbee golf. <laughs> hey, that's a great idea. Uh, no, it's like it's like 110 degrees here in Orlando. We're talking about cover songs. We just finished all these great interviews that we did for the because you have because you know I have to say it. Retro Futura Tour. Very good. You're learning. The speech lessons are paying off. <laughs> and so now we've gathered today to go over cover songs of the 80s, which I think is a topic that we've kind of had on our to-do list for about, I don't know, 10 years. Yeah. I'm hoping this is the start of something and not just the one offer because there's so much, so much to cover. Oh, I know. It's ridiculous how many songs from the 80s were cover songs from earlier. So what we're going to do today, each one of us have picked two songs. Um that are kind of, I guess, close to our hearts, or at least easy enough to research that we didn't have to spend our whole Saturday afternoon doing so. Oh, and- <laughs> I mean, I love you guys, but let's not go crazy. <laughs> so um, in, in many cases, you, you might know that these were cover songs. In some cases, I assure you, you did not. So we'll give you, we'll give you the, uh, the 80s version. We'll give you the original version. And uh, you can decide for yourself which is better. <laughs> the, uh, quick answer, it's the 80s versions, almost yeah. always. So let's get started. Brad, what is your first pick for uh, cover songs from the 80s? So my first pick, you said songs that we liked or songs that we remember. This is just a song that blew my mind when I found out it was a cover. Everybody remembers this song. It's Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So Cindy Lauper obviously rode this track all the way to the, almost the top of the chart. She actually hit number two. She was held out by anyone? Anyone? Uh, what year are we talking about? 1984. Well, this would have charted in 84. Uh, 84? I always just go to Michael Jackson. Yeah, I'm always assuming. It was held Jackson. out by Van Halen Jump. 
<laughs> oh, no. I know. So this is her first single. Goes to number two. And I, I think you it's a solid statement that that's her signature tune. And I just, I was blown away to find out this is a cover. Bizarre. So tell us about the cover. I, I guess I have to put a little bit of an asterisk there. It's only sort of a cover. The song was written by a Philadelphia musician by the name of Robert Hazard. And he recorded a demo, but he never released it. Obviously, it, it kind of made its way around. Um, there's a version of it that's floating around online. And here, let's listen to a little bit of that. Come home with the morning light. My mother says, my boy, you better start living right. Don't worry about the day, you're still number one. Girls just want to have fun. These girls just want to have fun. So they really want so straight ahead kind of a rock take on the song um he says he wrote the song in about 20 minutes in the shower and didn't think much of it uh obviously he was uh continuing to cash the royalties checks well wouldn't you i mean come on Free money. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Rick Chertoff was looking for uh, stuff for Cindy Lauper's debut record and remembered hearing the song. And so they went and met him and, and he made some changes. I guess Cindy Lauper wanted some changes to the lyrics, which kind of makes sense because you're going from a girl's perspective to a guy's perspective. Or other way around. Other way around. Sorry. You know, we've all been kind of digging around the last week trying to find stuff for this podcast. And that one was the holy crap, you know, just jaw, jaw break, jaw breaker, jaw dropper moment. <laughs> yeah. Jaw break. Yeah. You don't want to say jaw breaker. No, that would hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, also a porn term. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Kind of is. <laughs> really? This has been porn yeah. talk with Drew. <laughs> what, I'm not going to explain how I know that. Just what, uh, what is it yeah. a porn term for? Uh, yeah. You really want me to explain that well, on this podcast? I'll, I'll bleep what I have to bleep. What, what? I mean, I mean, from what I understand, and I'm not in porn, so I don't mm-hmm. always know, but it's has it's a thing with you know, when a woman is giving a guy, there's a that's part of it, huh? I, you have to so, connect some more for me. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, she on him, and he kind of like his into the side of her and forces open a little. Oh. So take all that out, please. <laughs> take the whole jawbreaker. There's a, there's a lot of 1K yeah. tone getting dropped in there. <laughs> this is episode 320, things we wish we'd never said I, on the podcast. Well, I didn't want to get into it. I, well, I'm sorry. But people Steve want to know. Steve Press. Steve. That'd be in the, Steve be in the bonus edition for episode 400. That'll again. be yeah. the NC-17 version. Now, obviously, yeah, this is her anthem, but didn't Weird Al do a parody yeah, of this as well? I mean... God and everyone have covered this song at this point. But yeah, Weird Al parodied it with Girls Just Want to Have Lunch in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that wrote this, interesting guy. He was a big he was big in Philadelphia. You know, that's what we can say about him. He was big his he was a musician there for years and years. His band opened for U2, his band opened for the Motels. They were on American Bandstand, just never quite got to that next next level. So, mm. this was his big he- claim to fame. He didn't make it to the next level even after opening for the motels. Uh, I know. And you too. And you too. <laughs> uh, something tells me that, that he never opened for you too, but I'm a. He did. Uh, fact. I, fact. Uh, Two dates. Fact. Uh, don't, it like don't doubt me, Spears. I did my research uh, for once. I don't know. 
Was his was he in a band or was he a solo act when he opened for you? It two? was uh, it was Robert Hazard and the Heroes, I think. So he was the guy out in front of a band. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. okay I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> no, no, oh. no, no, no. God, God knows we've already lost enough listeners after the Jawbreaker story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is exciting stuff right here. It is exciting you. stuff. That's good. That's a very good start. I would never have guessed. They opened for that. them on May 7th, 1983 in Albany and May 8th, 1983 in Hartford. Okay. So early U2, not early U2. Yeah. yeah. Not Joshua okay. Tree. Come on, man. That was the Pretenders. <laughs> yep. I can't even tell you hoping for U2 when I saw them. It was uh Unforgettable Fire Tour. I, I couldn't – can't tell you. I don't know. I, I don't even, I'm sure there was an opening act. <sighs> it was Sad. probably uh, the Jawbreakers, I think. It was the Jawbreakers. <laughs> Crap! I'm never gonna live that story. No, it's great. It's great that you know that. It's not (laughs) great that I know that, (laughs) and that you could recall it so quickly. (laughs) Okay, okay. uh, I'm gonna let you uh, paint yourself out of this corner. Yeah, redeem myself. Yes. What is your song for my first cover song? I chose "Every Time You Go Away" from Paul Young. The reason I chose this song is because, honestly, I didn't know it was a cover song until I started to prepare for this podcast. It's a great song, too. It's a fantastic song. song. Yeah. Uh, His version hit number one in July of 1985. This was his only number one hit in America, by the way. Wow. Really? Yep. His version includes piano, bass, and an electric sitar, which I I like sitar, so that that was kind of a cool little fact I liked about that. Turns out you can slap a pickup on pretty much anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's another cover version that a lot of people know from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. They played at the end of that. That was actually done by a group called The Blue Room, which, and that's what I thought was the cover. Oh, funny. Yeah. So when I heard, saw, well, well, I was, like I said, while I was preparing for this, when I saw who originally recorded it, I thought, well, of course, because it sounds exactly like something they would record. And the original writer is Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. I actually knew that was a cover song by a totally random way. When we did our interview years and years ago with uh, John Oates, I downloaded the best of Holland Oates, you know, to my work computer, and literally it was like eighty songs or something like that. It was oh like four. God. It was like a four. <laughs> was it like a Time wow. Life set? Yeah, Call yeah. Now and get this four CD set. And I was going through it, and I started playing that song. And I'm like, I can't believe they did a cover of a Paul Young song. And so, <laughs> It's, I had to look it up, and I'm like, "Who did it first? And sure enough, you know, he did it. You know, they did it first. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a very different song. But and you got to admit, they're both very good in their own way. Absolutely. And but it is funny. I mean, even hearing, like I said, the Paul Young version, when you hear it, and you go, 
I I can totally hear the style of Hall and Oates in that song. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised I didn't know it. It was like you said, it was done earlier. It was done in 1980 for their Voices album, uh, but it was never released as a single. Mm. Yeah. And um, it was about 2009. Daryl Hall listed it as one of his favorite songs because he loves its craftsmanship. He said, "Huh, that's cool." Um, yeah. And a little bit of trivia. Like I said, this was Paul's only number one song, but he did have one other top ten song. You guys happen to know what it is? Wasn't it's not Voice of the Common People, is it? Nope. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It was another cover song. Nope. I got nothing. Oh shoot! I I, I as soon as you say it, I'm going to say I knew it, but I. Obviously, I don't, I can't recall fast enough. So, what is it? It's the Chai Lights 1972 hit single "Oh Girl." Okay, I'm wrong. Which hit number eight <laughs> for Paul? Really? I, oh yeah. Drawn what? A total blank. Drawn a total I, blank I could, on yeah. that one. Here, let's play a few seconds of that. Yeah, no, I'm still not remembering that. <laughs> I mean, the thing about you know, the thing about covers is you want them. At least I love covers, but I want the people that are covering it to bring something to it. I don't want it to just be like a tribute act. I, you know, yeah. I want a little different a interpretation. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. If if different interpretation is what you want, then I am prepared to give it to you right now. Steve, are you ready? Please. Uh-oh. We are eager. Hit me. You sort of probably already know what it is because we opened the show with it. But here it is again, Soft Cells, Tainted Love. Once I ran to you, now I run from you. This tainted love you've given, I give you all a boy could give you. Take my tears and that's not nearly all tainted love. It doesn't get any more different than that, damn you! <laughs> I'm using up all my energy right now. If I'm if I'm not here for the seggies, it's because of that last sentence. All right. I think I that I think it. I sprained something. Okay. <laughs> I um, that was taint- the cat. <laughs> no, Cat Benatar is now after briefly attacking my microphone before the show started. Uh, much to my co-host's delight, she's passed out again, which I will be in about 20 minutes. So, Tainted Love, originally recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964. Out, doesn't make out, doesn't, run away. <laughs> doesn't make much of a buzz. Uh, but in 1973, a British club DJ bought the record during a trip to the States and started playing it back home where the Motown sound was actually starting to get pretty popular in what they called the Northern Soul Club scene. I have no idea what that means, but I can copy yeah. from Wikipedia with the best of them. Hey, you know. <laughs> and that uh, that's the version that uh, a couple boys in Soft Cell first heard. So here is... Gloria Jones with Tainted Love. See, completely different. Love it. Yeah, love it. Very different. Yeah, um, I've, I've heard that, but it is, it's, it's like, is this the same song? Yeah. I mean, so obviously, so in 1981, Mark Almond and David Ball, the duo known as a, a Soft Cell, decide to remake the song. They recorded it in just a day and a half with uh, Mark Almond, the singer, doing the vocals in just one single take. Wow. Oh, wow. So You kind of got a twofer there because it's paired up with, um, you hear it a lot with a cover of Where Did Our Love Go? 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I actually can admit I have the twelve inch single in my garage of that song and of the you know both songs together. I, I gotta admit it's not it's not one of my favorite songs of the eighties. It was it was overplayed to a, yeah. to the hundredth yeah. degree. But it's but for some reason I'm I find the, I find it a little endearing to learn that it's a cover song. Um, but I mean I kind of threw I kind of throw this song in there with. Uh, Putting on the Ritz and all, you know, the other kind of. No, it, no, 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 no. Putting on the Ritz is a freaking novelty recording. Just because yeah. it's, it's a cover, yes, but it's a novelty recording. I but I, I, I turn this song off 99% of the time that it, when it comes on the radio. Really? Yeah. I, oh, wow. No, not me. Because Steve's still, matter of fact, I'm the kids it. listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> My whole life is tainted love. Oh, he doesn't need so, to listen to the song. Yeah. Actually, do, 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 do. I'll, I'll run away. <laughs> Jeez. Actually, you come to think of it, both my selections this week are kind of morose. That's shocking. So, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, added pressure on the band. The record company, when they released this single, were pretty much told, guys, this is it. If this record doesn't break, then you guys better find another label. Wow. But thankfully, it uh, it went to number one on the charts in the UK, where it became the top-selling single for, in the year 1981. In the US, however, it took 19 weeks for this song to crack the top 40 charts. Um, and it would eventually get to as high as number eight, but it did stay in the charts for uh, forty-three weeks, which is probably did why, their label keep them. Yeah, so their label kept them. Yeah, so did they have another hit after that, though. They did, and you know what? I have it in my notes because I know I know Brad's gonna be a jackass and ask him what other songs they <laughs> well, say. Well, no, I think it's just funny if you if like the label says this is a hit or else. Like, okay, we'll turn so out we one for you. Right. So, so in the U.S., not really, but but in the U.K. Very, very popular. They had a, a number two song, Torch, a number three song called Say Hello, Wave Goodbye. Okay, I've heard that. Another th- number mm-hmm. three song, What, and a number four song called Bedsitter. You mean you mean Sexdorf didn't chart? No. Uh, it so didn't? Anyway. It did on K-Rock. That was a big one out here, man. It did on here, K-Rock. <laughs> uh, yeah. You guys in your K-Rock. Yes, that's in our K-Rock. The rest, of us, the rest of the world was listening to Mr. Roboto and... Uh, High infidelity on infinite repeat while you guys were enjoying your savvy California new wave espresso and listening to obscure club bands. Yeah. Espresso, <laughs> the hell did you grow up? Espresso, jeez. Anyway, so there's our first three, and um, can we all kind of agree that for the most part the remakes are the better versions? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah, clearly, let's see if it changes in the next three songs. Brad, it's in your court again. So let me just say, uh, 80s Nation, I'm cutting you a break this time because you're new around here. I'm, I'm not going with the extensive catalog of Devo covers that's available to me. Thank God. <clears throat> but yeah. uh, know that they Miracles still, happen. you know, first in the charts and first in my hearts. Uh, but my second cover, and I, yeah, I'm going back to the K-Rock thing. This might be a little obscure. Um, Love and Rockets. Do you guys remember Love and Rockets? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so Love and Rockets, formed in 1983, uh, former members of Bauhaus. They weren't a big charting band. If you know one Love and Rockets song, it's probably uh, So Alive. Mm-hmm. Um, but this 1985 single, again, I heard it quite a bit here on the K-Rock. Uh, this is their cover of Ball of Confusion. Hey, hey. 
Yeah, I know that song. It, I mean, yeah. if you listen to Serious First Wave, they probably play it yeah. ten times a week. Well, you know, hey. So I had no... This is like Drew. I had no idea this was a cover. Um, years later, I hear... Uh, I'm like, wow, what's this old-timey cover of this Love and Rocket song? It's <laughs> <You know? laughs> really groovy, and it's this kind of R&B thing going. And as it turns out, this was a giant hit for The Temptations. In 1970, it went to number three on the pop charts and number two on the R&B charts. And uh, you need to listen to it right now. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, aggravation, Can I just tell you something really quick? Yeah. So I actually knew the Temptations version, and I knew the Love and Rockets version, but it never occurred to me that the Love and Rockets version was a cover of that song. Isn't that funny? I don't know why. They're so different. Because it's, I mean, it's different They're enough so different. that I just, it never occurred to me, because I was a big Love and Rockets fan, and I, you know, like I said, the Temptations, my parents played the Motown stuff all the time, yeah. so... But I never knew that I mean, it was a cover of that song. I mean, the re- the reason I didn't know about the Temptations version is because I'm a white kid from the suburbs, and you know, <laughs> soul music wasn't really getting into my uh, the local AM radio station out in Weatherford, Oklahoma. But mm-hmm. uh, I got to tell you, I was listening to it again this morning, Steve. I think I prefer the Temptations version just because I'm a sucker for a horn line, and this has got this great <laughs> horn line. You've got a harmonica solo by Stevie Wonder, and you've got that. That low voice. And the band played on. It's just, oh, it's fantastic. It's so I, I got to admit, I, I like the Temptations version better, too. Well, what's nice is you can like them both because they're different they're so enough. Different. Exactly. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say I, I never really liked the Love and Rockets version. Get out, Spears. Oh. Get out. I, I, I just, I'm not a Drew huge Love and Rockets fan. I, I never really, I, <laughs> I wanted to like them. And I, I remember buying their album and their first, whatever album this is on, I remember having it on vinyl. But, I just was, it was one of those things where I'm, you know, I don't know how many times I listened to it trying to force yeah, myself to like, like it. I should like uh, this, yeah. And I just couldn't. Yeah, we've I couldn't all bring been my... there. What I think is interesting is it's it's kind of a political song, but it's written in such a way that it's not real clear what the stance of the band is, like which way they're going. But the lyrics apply That's in 1970, part. and they apply mm-hmm. in 1985, and they pretty much apply today. What the heck's going on? Yeah. I don't know. No one knows. I yeah, we should get together and do a cover version of the cover version of the cover version. I'll bring my harmonica. And maybe we can score a hit. There we go. Jeez. I can play drums, right? I used to be able to play drums. I'm sure I'd pass out halfway through the first stanza now. <laughs> okay, Drew, save us. Bring us something hot. Ouch. All right. So my next song that I chose was Wild Thing. By X. Now, I'll admit, I kind of knew this was a cover song when I first heard this song back in the 80s. But I thought, I don't know where I heard the story or where I picked it up, but I thought it was from a commercial. 
And I thought that X had taken this commercial jingle and made a big song out of it. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I got that. Do. No, I don't know if anybody would ever, but it was just like, I don't know. In my head, I always thought it was from a, a you know, like I said, a commercial. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's been covered a ton since then, but I do prefer this version from 1989. Well, uh, it was used in the movie Major oh. League, you know, yeah. Charlie Sheen, Ricky Vaughn would come out, take the mound. <laughs> I love that movie, man. Every time it's, oh, it's on, so great. I can't it's so off. great, but it's not the original version. And what's funny is in doing the research, I found out that the what I thought was the original version is also a cover version. So what I thought well, was you're the original like version, totally doing the Inception. I know, thing. but we're going to play the cover of the first version because the first version was actually it was written in 1965 by a guy named Chip Taylor from a group called the Wild Ones. But it was really famous by the Trogs, and this is what that sounds like. Oh, sure, yeah, that I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody kind of yeah, knows yeah, that. Yeah. It is not from a commercial. That hit number one in 1966. Um, and it's... Steve was four? Oh, come on. <laughs> the Trogs recorded this song and also their next hit, a song called With a Girl Like You. They had a 45-minute studio session. They actually were stealing studio time from another group. Their, their uh, uh, producer had another group in there and had an hour left... And so they got their their stuff in, set up, and recorded two songs in the span of forty five minutes. They mixed it on the fly, which is really what gives it that kind of you know flying by the yeah. seat of your pants feel. That's awesome. I love That's it. So, stuff. And I do have a little bit of a story on this one because the X version of the song actually almost got me fired. Nice. <laughs> I was working. Uh, it was a couple years. I'd been going to college a couple years, and I decided, you know, I'm kind of sick of school. I'm going to go out in the real world, get a job. And the first job I got was working in the mailroom of a financial planning corporation, you know, kind of like Norville Barnes in Hudsucker Proxy. I, I was kind of going with uh, Brantley Foster in Secret of My Success. Hi, Brantley. You stick with me and everything's going to be copacetic. There we go. So I'm, I'm working the evening shift, and basically what I did at night was um, ran the copier, uh, got all that stuff together for the next morning for all the planners because they were doing graphs and charts and everything like that and presentations, so... Anyway, I'm working late one night. I think everybody's gone. I had the stereo in there, and I had wired it up so there were there was usually the two speakers mounted on the wall, and I had brought in two more and then patched them into the same outlets. So it wasn't really quad. It was still stereo, but it had four speakers coming out of it. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, like I said, it's kind of late. So I cranked that up, and X, you know, it's just the, the guitar starts starts hammering on the guitar and the wailing vocals and everything. I didn't know that the CEO of the company was still in the building was actually about two doors down, giving somebody a tour <laughs> and he comes in and I am sitting on the copier and I am pretending to play the drums. I kind of got my eyes closed <laughs> and I'm rocking out and I kind of look over and, and cause I hear the door open and there is 
the CEO and he's looking at me and he just goes, turn it down. Like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hop off and found out later that he had talked to the uh, head of the HR department and that I was in a little bit of trouble. So yeah, that, that one, uh, that one caused me a little bit of grief, but I think it was worth it. Oh yeah. Great story. That's funny. In the end though, I decided working in the mailroom was not really for me. So I went back to college. Oh Jesus. A college pupil. This really makes my day. Life lesson. Probably a good move. Mm-hmm. And then one last bit of trivia, if I can throw this out there. Are you guys ready? Hit me. Two, two pieces, actually. The songwriter, Chip Taylor, was actually born James Wesley Voigt, and he is the brother of John Voigt and the uncle of Angelina Jolie. Wow. Whoa. And this song made him supposedly pretty rich, and he spent a lot of it uh, gambling in Vegas where he allegedly got kicked out of a lot of the casinos for counting cards. Yeah. That's a rumor I read. That'll do it. Yeah. And then the last bit is, and this is kind of cool, um, it was this song that Jimi Hendrix was playing when he lit his guitar on fire during the Monterey really? um, Pop Music oh Festival. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Oh, God. That's a great piece of trivia, because everybody knows he did that. But Yeah, and it was this <laughs> song. So there you go. There's my trivia for Wow. Nice. Great I, I, song. I do, great not song. Know, I do not know that I can top that. Well, let's just, <laughs> let's just stop the show here then. This is, you know, the only thing that could probably top that, and, and this is just pie in the sky kind of stuff, is if I actually had like an interview with the guy who performed the cover song that we're about to talk that to you. That might just do that it, That might, but you don't really have that, I do mean, you? It's, it's nice to dream, but... Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you <laughs> naked eyes. Always something there to remind me. Damn, son. Pocket Always got to top me. Pocket aces. No, no, that's you. You have amazing trivia there that I don't have. I mean, <laughs> ma- many people might remember that it's been what? I guess it's been. Let me look it up here. Episode 138 on August 16th, 2008. Is it that long ago? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I got to interview uh, Pete Byrne, uh, a.k.a. the surviving member of Naked Eyes. Yeah. Is it naked eye or naked eyes? Let's go with eyes. Plural. Yeah. Is it plural? Yeah. Naked's eye. <laughs> Hang on. It's plural. <laughs> it's plural. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's naked eyes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, we had this great conversation because I, I'd already seen him in Vegas on the on the first ever stuck in the 80s infamous Vegas trip. You know that. That was like the time schism where nothing's been the same since. Yeah. Uh, wow. Maybe you jumped to an alternate reality in that, yeah, that airplane. Yeah, yeah, I did. And so um, the tour started in Vegas and ended in Clearwater, Florida, where I was at the time. It's one of those rare chances I had to interview someone from a t- on a tour where I had already actually seen him perform. Right. So um, Naked Eyes comes out on stage, and they're one of the first performers of the night. In fact, they might have been the first. And they opened – with always something there to remind me. Nobody wow. opens yeah. with the biggest song that you ever had. Well, to be fair, they they probably played three songs. Uh, Did they close with it too? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. 
Yeah, yeah, they didn't quite do that. No, he Naked Eyes is a lot deeper than you think. And if go back and listen to episode one thirty eight, and you, there's, it's full of Naked oh, Eyes songs. That's a great interview. I think we've used a clip from that for Stuck and Stuck in the Eighties. It's such a good interview. Mm. So anyway, this song uh, was originally written in the 1960s by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. Yeah. Not a pop masterpiece. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, the lyrics to which I can slightly relate are sung by a man whose lover has just left him and now is lamenting that everything he sees reminds him of her. So, um, <laughs> so Dionne Warwick, back in 1963, recorded the first version of this. Um, but it was the Sandy Saw, but it was the Sandy Shaw version that uh, first got success. That would actually go reach number one on the charts, and it's the Sandy Shaw version that Pete Byrne heard as a young boy that inspired him to cover it. So let's have a little mini stuck in stuck in the eighties moment here and go back and listen to Pete Byrne talk to me about how it was he came to cover. Always something there to remind me. Of course, everybody in America, probably everybody around the world who grew up in the 80s knows always something there to remind me. Yeah. But, but I don't think everybody knows. Now, most, you know, the hardcore fans, sure. But yeah. not everybody knows it's a cover It's a cover song of a Burt Bacharach song. And I'm just kind of curious, when, when did you first hear the original version of the song? Oh, my God, when I was a little kid. Um, it was a big hit in England for Sandy Shaw. And, uh, and I knew nothing of Dion Warwick's version. I, I just knew that Sandy Shaw was like this killer... 19-year-old chick doing it, and she and she used to walk around in barefoot, bare feet. That was her gimmick, <laughs> and uh, and she was very sexy and everything. And it was it was number one here, and it was such a great song. <clears throat> I mean, the song, the, the construction of the song, the chord sequence, and everything about it is very unusual. I mean, it has uh, eight bar sections, fourteen bar sections. It, it's not like a normal pop song. It's very weird, and uh, <clears throat> and it's um, you know, and, and at the time we were in, Rob and I were in the studio recording demos, and we were working quite intensively, and we just decided to do a cover, and. I always liked that song, and I and I always liked the Dusty Springfield song, uh, "You Don't Have to Say You Love Me," and a few other girl singers from the sixties. I thought those those would be the best ones to cover, rather than you know male singers. So I was looking for one of those um, one of those songs, and always something there to remind me to sort of hit it. And Rob started playing it on the on you know on the synth, and and, and it just happened very quickly. acoustic version that you play on um, the album, the album uh, Fumbling with the Covers, it yeah. almost sounds like a completely different song. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those songs that actually lends itself to, I mean, I think it's been covered many times, maybe 30, 40 times. Yeah. Most people stick to the original arrangement of it, whereas I've never stuck to the original arrangement of anything. Right. So, <laughs> and one of the reasons for that was when I was a kid, I, I, you know, the Beatles were one of my favorite bands. 
and uh, and I'd always sing along with their songs, and I would just make up my own lyrics, and and I would change the melodies and things like that. <laughs> so uh, so that's basically what I do when I get you know when I when I play somebody else's song, I tend to uh, tend to take liberties with it. I think I had read somewhere that your vocals were recorded in one take at yeah. one in the morning. Oh God, yeah. In fact, it may have even been later there, maybe three in the morning. We were we were quite wasted at that point. That's amazing. It, it was. It, I mean, it's never happened before, and uh, and certainly hasn't happened since. It was one of those nights. Where there was a there was a big party at Abbey Road where we were recording the album, and um, Paul McCartney was there, and Linda, and uh, a lot of English, uh, big big English pop stars like um, Billy Fury, and and I can't remember what the party was for. We were working in the studio, but the party was downstairs, and they said, why don't you come down and have a couple of drinks? <clears throat> and, of course, one thing led to another. And so by about the middle of the night, uh, it seemed like a great time to do the vocal. And, um, and so we, you know, we, we stuck it upstairs, and, and we did it. And, uh, and it was quite incredible, actually, because, it, you know, in those days, the way, you know, the way that one recorded a vocal was to, um, to, to get one that was almost there and then do drop-in. So, you, you know, there was a line you didn't like, you would just drop in and out. And, um, but it is always a laborious process. Uh, you know, promises, promises. I probably spent three days doing vocals for that. Wow. And most, most songs, it, it, it takes a long time. I mean, because there's, there's a technique and also getting a performance uh, at the same time, it's, it's difficult stuff. But so you know, to always something there to remind me was one of those just like magical moments. You know, we were we were very relaxed and loose, and and you know, just basically having fun. Well, it it, and, al- it almost needed that. I mean, the, the the way what the song is about, and yeah, you needed that sort of tired, uh, loose, not yeah. not entirely sober, not entirely. Yeah. yeah, it works. It works perfect for that. I agree, and we and there's so much luck involved in it. I mean, the things like the intro, the, the tubular bells that we use, we were just you know sitting around in Abbey Road, and, and and we discovered these bells, and they were in the studio, and we thought, well, why don't we try them out? And we did, and we just thought, man, this is incredible because using synths, because we were you know we used all synthesizers, we didn't really use anything else, and we started to bring in like a brass player here and there just to give it a bit of color, a bit of texture, but the bells just to set that track up, and. Um, you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, it's all luck, basically. And, you know, luck getting that vocal that, that just sat in the track and just had the right attitude. And and then the real luck, I, I believe, came when we shot the video. Because the video just kind of spoke to the whole song. I mean, it wasn't that I was acting in that film. I had actually been up all night, and we started at, like, 6 in the morning. And it was raining, and I was absolutely miserable shooting it. So it was really a case of, uh, you know, the director and producer of that, when, um, Simon Milne, the director, was just fantastic. And I had no idea what I was getting into. Um, we, we had a couple of meetings and we discussed various aspects of it, but I had no idea what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, he just told me what to do and I just did it. And, but the, the video, I'm very, you know, I'm very happy to say I'm still pleased with all these years later, whereas a lot of the, lot of the 80s videos I'm not so happy with. Yeah. <laughs> A long clip, but worth it. Uh, my friend Pete Byrne. I actually introduced him on stage that way. I said, "My friend Pete Byrne." <laughs> I was going to ask you because you've been doing a lot of these great interviews lately. And if you ever like, at the end of the interview, just kind of say, "Hey, if you need somebody to introduce you when you're here in, you know, Orlando or yeah. when you're in Florida, do you ever get to do that?" Besides, I mean, how many times have you done that? Um, Got to introduce somebody at least three times. I did Naked Eyes. 
And I did say, my good friend. Um, <laughs> because that, that's a famous episode where he... Um, Didn't he sing to you backstage? Like he you sang were to me backstage. Yeah. Actually, two of them did. He sang to me backstage. And he sang Rocket Man to me on stage because he promised during the interview that he would. So he sang Rocket Man to me. And then um, John Waits sang to me too. So that was kind of interesting. Wow. So, so yes, yeah, so I've done John Waite. I've done um, Naked Eyes. I've done Night Ranger. And I've done Duran Duran. So did you do Night Ranger in the Southern Belle girl voice? <laughs> I declare. <laughs> it's Please Night welcome Ranger. to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I live and breathe. I do remember though that literally, as I when I introduced Night Ranger, and they were coming on the stage as I was leaving it. I remember like giving the uh, <laughs> the guitar player like a big pat on the back or something, then like I'm his butt or something like, like that. Don't blow it, kid. Yeah, he just he didn't look at he didn't look at me. Thank God, but but he probably was just like, who the hell is this guy? Don't touch me. He, Don't touch me, man. It was Jack Blades that I interviewed, not the guitar player. So anyway, that's but funny. Anyway, that's funny. he did not sing to me backstage. Uh, you know what I'd like to do right now? You know what would calm my savage soul? The Seggies. Ah, but the mystic refrain of reader mailbag. And um, I know we've been kind of cranking out the shows quickly. So if you're hearing this show before you listen to the Thompson Twins show. Wait, wait. People stop. listen out of order? Sometimes they do. Stop. Really? Yes. Stop, I say. Go back because the reader mailbag for the Thompson Twin show has um, a great uh, reader mailbag about a guy who I said I would surrender my spot on a time machine if one existed so that he could go back and right a wrong. And that was a great letter. It was amazing. It's <laughs> an epic <laughs> so tale. fantastic. Epic tale. Oh, my God. And I, I'm haunted by that. I'm... St- but I was even more haunted when I got this letter the last couple of days. In fact, I think I even posted something on Facebook about how I was sitting at home. I think it was last yeah, night or the night before. I was worried. I had called nine and one before I realized that you were okay. <laughs> I, I Was it last night? It was last it was two night, Two nights right? ago. It was a couple nights ago. Two nights ago? Okay. So I was home, and this email came in, and I was, I was at my computer anyway, and I was drinking wild turkey, as I sometimes do. And um, I started reading this letter, and I was like, wait, I've got to stop it. And I've got to play just once underneath <laughs> it. And so I listened to just once and read this letter to myself a, a few times. And um, Brad, because I, I can't do it. Okay. You- <clears throat> well, I'll see what I can do with this one. This is a tale. So here we go. Hi, Stephen Brad. I've been listening to the show for a while, but never had a reason to write in. After last episode's letter, I have a story for Steve's time machine slot. Is that what we're calling this now? It needs theme music. Yeah, it really does. Something other than Back to the Future. But we'll work on that. If only we knew someone in the entertainment business. Yeah. Continuing. When I was in college, I had an on and off relationship with a girl. I was absolutely nuts about this chick. Her? Not so much about me. We would date in the spring, drift apart in the summer. Fall would come and she would ignore my advances. And But by New Year's, we'd be dating again. So we were on a break one Friday night and I got a call from another girl I was friends with. Let's call her Sue. And she wanted to hang out. No big deal, right? Well, except for the fact that my best friend and apartment roommate had it bad for her. He was gone for the weekend, but she came over and we watched TV, had a few beers, talked, that sort of stuff. It got late and she was going to head back to her place and being the gentleman I am, I offered to walk her home. 
when we got to her apartment, she came in for a hug and dot dot dot. That hug or dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that hug turned into a kiss, a kiss that just kept going. Finally, it broke off, and she cooed. It's too bad my roommates are all here. As she turned and walked into her apartment, as her front door closed, my brain reengaged. Holy crap! <laughs> I had just made a move on a girl that my buddy was totally into. Not cool. I felt like a complete jerk, and I vowed never to mention it to anybody, ever, ever. I spent the next several months successfully avoiding her, and my on-and-off-again girl and I got back together. Things were going great between us. We even managed to keep it going through the summer while she was back home. When fall came, she called to let me know she was back in town. Of course, I rushed over, looking forward to the reunion. I was greeted with tears and, I know what happened between you and Sue. Wait, what? How? I was stunned. Well, it turned out that Sue had told one of our other friends that, quote, something happened, unquote, between us. Of course, that was interpreted as wild sex. As a result of that something, I lost my girlfriend and I completely torched my friendship with my closest friend. Should I have been man enough to tell my friend? Yes. Should I have at least told my girlfriend? Definitely. Should I have kept my stupid self away from Sue? Duh. Take your pick. Send me back into the time machine, and I'll try to fix one or all of them. Thanks for reading. Ed in Springfield. That's rough, but I, I don't think Ed deserves the slot. I, let's answer this. I want to go over some finer points here. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's look at this. Should he have been man enough to tell his friend? Uh, I mean, it's just a kiss. I mean, it, it wasn't like it was his best. It wasn't his friend's girlfriend. It was just someone he was hot for. That, yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, he didn't. I, I say no foul. I mean, you know, it's not the coolest thing in the world. But no, I mean, you know, no. I mean, if I was his friend, I'd be like, oh, you know, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be like, you know, that's just that's just the way you know it goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've certainly lost a lot of ton of women that I've really been interested in that that liked my best, you know, like my friends more. Sure, than me. yeah, it happens. Sure, it happens. It happens. Um, yeah, absolutely. Should he have told his girlfriend? Definitely not. I mean, well, again, I don't mean simple kiss. Jerk. Yeah, I mean, it's college. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, they were on and off. I mean, no, I, I don't think he should have told her. Um, we may have lost our last seven female listeners because of that answer, but I'm willing to live with that. Um, should he have kept his stupid self away from Sue? No. <laughs> That's where we disagree. How can you say that? That woman was nothing but trouble. How Look do we know that? that she pulled. Well, we just, Look at the crap in, that in she retrospect. pulled. First off, no, no, no. We have his letter. It has all the facts right there in it. First off, she calls him and uh -huh. says, can I come over? Yeah. She comes over, knows damn well none of his roommates, none of his, nobody else is there. They hang out, have some glass. She goes, Oh, I'm going to go home. Goes home and then plays the card. It's too bad my roommates are home. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a jerk. You were her. just at his apartment. You could have kissed all him there. Alone. And she could have kissed him there. Something could have happened there. She played him. She totally played him. And then she has the nerve to go and tell somebody, Yeah, something happened. Vague, uncertain, something. And it torches his friendship with his best friend and his girlfriend. She was trouble. Sorry, Sue's on my list. So, so I, I have one more. I have one more piece of information here that that might cast us in a little different light. 
Oh. I wrote this letter. What? This is a true story. This happened to me. What? <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm 100% dead serious. You are, you are Ed in Springfield. I am Ed in Springfield. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and you should have stayed away from you, Sue. You waited till just now? Okay. Wow. Man. <laughs> See? I was right. He doesn't get your slot. I don't want your slot. And you, you still couldn't read the letter correctly. <laughs> well, it's because I know that I knew the edits. Oh, oh my God! Okay, let's. Okay, so now, now you that we, sneaky bastard. Okay, let's 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 go back this to is, here. This is all true story. This all happened. Okay, okay, okay. Let you me, know what's funny? While reading this, I thought, God, this guy's kind of a weenie. <laughs> is the oh, honest? He's got a girlfriend that kind of not into him on and off over the summer, but every fall oh, yeah. he's waiting for her to no, come it back. It was bad. It was bad. Where's your prize? Is this the Asian Asian girlfriend? Yeah, she would have been the first ex Mrs. Williams. That's right. I've heard a lot about her. Okay, okay, let's, 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 we got a lot to go through here. Let's, <laughs> should you, so you're torn, are you really, you think you should have told your friend about it and you didn't? No, I don't think I should have told my friend about it. I think if I had mentioned to my girlfriend that something had happened, then that would have kind of short stopped the, the full level crazy. But, you know, the reality is, guys, my life is awesome. If I go back and change something there, then it messes up something here. So let the chips lay where they are. Oh no, no! I I definitely don't think yeah. you deserve the spot at all, um, especially especially just for the the fact that you deceived us. Yeah, well, strict, that was kind of an M Night Shyamalan twist. Strictly speaking, I deceived you, Steve. <laughs> you knew, Drew. You didn't no, know. No, Drew didn't know. No, Drew I had no idea. Don't don't paint me with that brush. <laughs> Drew didn't know. Okay, I had no idea. Ed and Spring. I was gonna say I hadn't heard from an Ed. Ed Spring. Yeah, Ed. My middle name is obviously Ed. Steve. It's Ed. Spring Frank. <laughs> Interesting. I'm not very sharp. Huh. <laughs> See, I, I think I, here's how I would have played it. First of all, <sighs> hmm, I definitely would not have. Yeah, I think I would have told my friend. I would have said, hey, dude, just so yeah. you know. Heads uh, up. I, she, you know, she kissed me, dude. Yeah. If, yeah. yeah. And then but I, I don't know what I would. And then I wouldn't have told the girlfriend. And maybe that's my mistake. But it, But when she found out about it, I would have gone in right ahead with, no, 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 no. She she kissed me, and I pushed her away, and that's it. That was the yeah. end of the night. Yeah. I would have like, but you know, I know also what it's like to deal with a, a psychotic girl. Who doesn't <laughs> yeah, to that. well, fat. Yeah, facts had no place in that. I gotta yeah. admit, I, I'm not crazy about the name Sue either. Well, I needed something generic. I know. I'm, I'm not, not crazy st- about the name Ed. <laughs> Blame my father. <laughs> oh man, I'm really worked up now. I, I, I get, I'm like, I get like this big. Heat streak right down my back or something. Just, <laughs> deception, been lied to. Uh, just sl- moral just, cha- struggles. I, I, I think if I had let it go for a couple episodes, then that would have been bad. But if I think if I come clean right now, and then it's just a, it's just a prank. Uh, I don't know. Now, now Steve's not gonna I, ever. Trust I like. Me again. I like when you fight because it gives me a chance to to do more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Are we fighting? I don't think we're fighting. Well, sure, you're fighting. You're the, fighting. Well, anyway, so the the <laughs> challenge still stands. I, we want letters from people who want to go back in time and fix a wrong. You know, Brad has already rightfully said that he he doesn't deserve it. You it's, know, it's absolutely cause true. Because his life yeah. is now is great. You know, he's not tortured by this. I guess you're not tortured by it. Are no, you? I mean I was tortured by it at the time, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, I always I always think back if I could go back to Vegas, would I would I have avoided Vegas girlfriend? Mm, oh. 
You know, would that have been possible? I mean, wasn't that the whole reason she was coming? She had her own room. I mean, I could have just been like, "Hey, you know, nice to meet you." Handshake. <laughs> Fist instead bump. Of, instead of sleeping with her like three hours later, but uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I that you want to talk about being? That's what still kind of bothers me. If I don't really need, I don't need like a really fully functional time machine. I just need like. Just a mini version of it, you know. Just I just like want to go in Galaxy Quest. An event eraser. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Digitize me, Fred. <laughs> I love that movie. It is. The, it's a great it is movie. The best Star Trek movie. Yeah, it is the best Star Trek movie. Anyway, so please, I mean, there have got to be stories out there more tortured than ours. So please. Uh, Remember to send them to sit80s at gmail.com, uh, brad in the 80s at gmail.com, steve in the 80s at gmail.com. Um, and if you're going to lie, come up with a better name than Ed in Springfield. <laughs> Man, special Ed in Springfield. Please, please tell me now. Please, please tell me now. Uh, PPTMN, please, please tell me now. This is the rarely used segment where we answer a uh, pressing question from one of our, our friends out there in Stuck in the 80s Nation. This week, it's um, it's our frequent co-host, uh, Carol Jansen, who we actually invited to be on this week's show. And uh, she said, oh, no. I was a second choice? No, no, no. You no, were the first no, choice. We, no, we no, try- no. You were the first no. choice. We were going we to try <laughs> to I don't have- believe anything you say, Brad. <laughs> if that no, is your is Brad, not Ed. Yeah. Ed left. <laughs> we, we thought about trying to have four people on the show just to see how it would work. Oh, cool. oh God. Carol would have been so pissed at you, Brad, for that. <laughs> no, it would have been great. Oh, yeah. man. My indignation would be nothing. Well, it's okay. This is Jansen. She can let me have it on yeah. email. Whew, I gotta come. My, my heart's still beating from that. Either that or the hot dogs I ate for lunch. Could be either. Uh, anyway, this question's from Carol, who um, comes right to the point and says, name a band or artist that you've each seen uh, three times or more in concert. Huh. Now, why didn't Carol mention any band that she has seen? You know, you know, you know she told me today what one of them is. I, I think she swore me to secrecy, but... <laughs> it's between us. Go ahead. It's just yeah, between just, us. We, you don't have to. We'll, we'll yeah. edit it out. Yeah, we'll know. keep it quiet. I, uh, I'm, okay, I'm gonna. We're gonna bleep this. Okay. Sure. It's. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Really? Oh, Carol. <laughs> Carol, guess what? You don't get to get mad at me anymore. <laughs> oh, oh, I gosh. used to work at a store that sold that music like big time. <laughs> yeah, I had to listen to that garbage for years. Oh. So. Well, you she sent she she sent me a clip today to listen to, and I, I listened to it while I was putting together the show notes. So interesting. Oh, okay. So what do you got, Steve? Uh, I, I'm sure there's because of all the festival concerts that are out there these days. I'm sure there's a couple bands I'm forgetting about. I, I'm sure I've seen like Eddie Money at least three times. <laughs> or For a while there, he played like everything. Yeah, wasn't um, he playing like you know car dealer openings and yeah, eh, not that bad. I, I'm not going to talk nicely about him anymore since he blew me off for an interview a few months ago. But um, Journey for sure four times, and I, I got to admit, and, and four times is probably enough. I don't really need to see them ever again. Once in the eighties, the, the the other three were with the new lead singer mm-hmm. okay. and Cheap Trick. I know I've seen at least three times, including once in the eighties and twice in more recent times. And I would actually see That's them That's a good again. one. I like Cheap Trick. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I saw them, I don't know, in the last six or eight years. They were good. There's one lucky podcast, and I forget when it was. It was probably 
I don't know, three years ago, where Robert when Robin Zander came in and to our studio and actually did. Oh our yeah. yeah, that's right at the end of that the year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. That was fun. Okay, Brad. So I got you two at the top of the chart or at the top of my list here. I've seen them four times: uh, once on Joshua Tree, twice on the Zeropa tour, and then once on one of the more recent tours. Uh, of course, Devo. I've seen Devo at least five times, um, including one. One of the concerts I went to was released as a live album, so that's kind of cool. And then the the festival show entry would be Flock of Seagulls, which they just keep popping up on these bills. I'm not proud of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got uh, I've got Flock of Seagulls from the festival shows too. You uh, two, I've seen two times. Um, you know, because one time I worked the concert, the other time was at Dodger Stadium. And then the all-time leader far and away is Oingo Boingo. I've seen them between eight and eleven times. Jeez. Nice. I don't think I, I saw them more than two or three times. times. And they actually, like you, they recorded their their farewell tour. I got uh, a chance to go to that, and they recorded the audio the second to last night and the video on the last night. And I was there for the audio recording of their nice farewell <laughs> tour. So somebody's ears are burning. I just got a text from Carol. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare tell them passed? about. <laughs> yeah, let's see. She's going. Who is this Ed? <laughs> <laughs> I want him dead. I want his I family we dead. Just, I, told her, I just told. I just told her we were talking about. Her. Can I say the name of the band you've seen? This, folks, you, is great radio. Me about. I think that I'm kind of bummed that you didn't read your letter, even when it turned out to be your letter, but you didn't read the Ed letter as like Casey Kasem. It sounded totally like a Casey Kasem, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> I've been listening to the show for a while. I had to figure out how to write it in a way that it's it wasn't long obvious dedication. that I wrote it because I you email Steve job. all the time. You did so, a good job. What did you do? Make a fake email address or was it? Well, no, I just I opened up an email address. Yeah. I'll delete it now that the show's over. Jeez, oh, you, you are so it. stealthy. You keep it. You couldn't have just said I got this from my stuck uh, from my uh, on my Brad in the eighties. Steve would email never address. believe that, and I, I would have had to fake it. the headers. You could just copy, yeah, you just copy, copy and paste it. It takes two seconds to wow. open up a Google Mail I know. account. You're right, Cat Benatar, get out from behind the computer. Come on, no, <laughs> I like how he uses the whole name. That's, that's like you use your your kid's full name when you're mad at him, right? Exactly. Doesn't she have a nickname? Why isn't she just Benny? Benny, it's a girl. Benatar. I don't know. I I usually just call her. Hey, you stop poking here. <laughs> oh, you know who else I've seen probably at least three or four times? Jonathan Richmond. Who's that? Yeah, who's, um, who's Jonathan? Uh, he's the lead singer for the Modern Lovers. Uh, uh, who's Pablo. That? <laughs> Pablo, oh, anyway, some people, the cool people out there know who I'm talking about. Okay, sorry. Evidently, he didn't play Oklahoma very often. Well, lucky him. (laughs) You know who he is. He's the guy who's in, uh, you see him in Something About Mary. He's the guy who plays all the songs. Oh. Oh, okay. He's also, he he had a song, uh, you know, Pablo Picasso. Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. That's the plugs, (laughs) isn't it? No. Anyway. Uh, if you have a PPTMN, um, please email us um, the question. Put PPTMN in the subject line. Do not use a fake email address. It's a real email address. <laughs> it's just a fake person. Details. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Okay, last time. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions?
pick up girls and get called asshole It's never happened to Pablo Picasso He could walk down your street Girls could not resist the stare And so Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole and we're back, and we have just a few minutes left in the show. So let me ask our friends out there in Stuck in 80s Nation, cover songs of the 80s. How do you want us to do these? We love doing these, but, I mean, do you just want us to, do you just want us to pick them randomly? Do you want us to do it by year, which we thought about doing, but that's kind of hard. Do you want us to do it alphabetically? Do you want us to do it by genre? <laughs> <laughs> alphabetically by original composer. Alphabetically by song title. So, Or else we'll just continue to pick them randomly. Or if you hate this particular show in general, Send us a uh, another email with a fake name, and we'll just go with it. <laughs> On the internet, no one knows you're a dog, Steve. <clears throat> That's the one time I'll pull that trick, I promise. I, I think I may have done that once to Daily. I know I used to make up fake names for winners in the Seggies sometimes. Just to make them read them? Yeah. Did I, make a, I, I may have done a fake PPTMN one time when we first were getting started with them. Yeah. But that, that would be about it. I think every letter's been real. Well, so. that, I, you know what? That's a real letter. That's a real story. No, it's real. I know. And I like the way you did it. And God knows we needed a, a reader mailbag set you this week. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm totally spent. I, I, I don't know where to turn. I mean, like, my trust has been violated. Oh, brother. <laughs> I'm sweating for some reason. I don't know why I'm sweating. Well, it's just the way you dropped the, the truth on us, Brad. It was <laughs> just great. I got to admit, it was great. It was a thing of beauty. So, <laughs> Like I said, it was an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. He was dead the whole He's time? <laughs> I feel like I've been dead the whole time. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> hey, that's all we got for this week. We'll be back with another ep- uh, episode of Second Eat soon. Maybe uh, no Retro Futura tour interviews anymore. But I just wanted to say that one last time because I'm actually starting to get better you're, at pronouncing you're, you're doing well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> In the meantime, Pete Byrne, myself, Brad, Andrew, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. We'll respect our wishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boring. <laughs>